0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine. Every week, Kim and I are here to talk all things wine with you. How are you today, Kim? I'm well, Mark. Thanks. How are you? Everything is great and always looking forward to talk with our listeners. What we found this week in the wine world and, We're going to start with what I think is a really interesting topic in the wine world. It's from the Wine Enthusiast Magazine. It was an article all about aromas in wine and a guide on the top or the main three aromas you find in wine all the time. And I thought the way they broke it down, Kim, was great information for people learning about wine.
1: I completely agree. You know, sometimes it's really good for us to kind of step back a little bit and go back to basic. And what I liked about this article, like you just said, is it broke this topic, which can be really intimidating for a lot of people. And it definitely made it more accessible and used terms that I think people understand and can really wrap their brains around. Because, you know, when we start (laughs) sniffing our glasses and swirling our wine and sticking our nose in there and start talking about all the things that we're noticing, I can feel that that is can be a bit of a turnoff for people who are novices and haven't done this before. And they're just like, whoa, what in the world is that crazy wine person doing? But this is, a, I think, a really nice way for us to explore what those different aromas that we could be smelling really are telling you about the wine and give people some language to describe the different things that they might be experiencing in there.
0: Yeah, this can be very geeky to people that you you know we're smelling the wine we're blasting off all these things we're smelling and people are like I smell wine and you're saying you smell all this other <laughs> stuff it doesn't make sense to me but the more you taste the more you drink wine it makes more sense to you so to understand these three basic aromas and how they break down it really can help you be a better wine drinker and wine consumer. To know what you're getting out of the wine by smelling it. So Kim, let's start with the three main aromas to find, or categories to find in wine: are uh, the primary aromas, the secondary aromas, and the tertiary tertiary. I always have a problem with this word, Kim. Make me surprised. Tertiary. tertiary aromas. So those are the three main groups of aromas. So let's so start. More
1: with more like categories. Categories, categories correct? Of yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with the primary aromas category, Kim, and explain to our listeners what that means.
1: So I really like that they broke these three categories down into where the heck the smells come from. So for this primary aroma category what you're smelling is what is coming from the grape so it doesn't necessarily smell like grapes because it's gone through the fermentation process but the smells that you are experiencing that all fall into this primary category are coming from the fruit itself and there's a wide range of what you could be smelling depending on what the grape variety is so you could be smelling herbal flavors like dill or like mint Or like eucalyptus, or maybe you're smelling citrus fruits like lemon or lime or pineapple or mango or berry or anything that is a fresh, generally fruity aroma that isn't messed around with when it comes to oak barrels or anything like that. So it's fresh, fruity, from the grape aroma.
0: Yeah, most of the time, this is an obvious thing that comes from younger wines, Uh, fruit flavors and aromas from a young wine are very present and they broke it down. The fruits from red wines can be black fruits, they can be red fruits or they can be dried fruit. So I like explaining to people, it's a red fruit. It's a cherry fruit. It's a black fruit. It's a black cherry fruit. And you can keep going on and on and breaking it down geekier and geekier or just primary stuff that could be broken down even more. Mm Mm-hmm. I tend to
1: describe these more as like berry fruit. Berries, so, yeah. you know, blackberries, raspberries, cranberries, strawberries, cherries. Yeah, absolutely cherries for the red wine category. And then for the white wine category, you know, you get apple and melon and peach and lemon lime and grapefruit. And, and those kind of fruity qualities from your white wine, depending yeah. on what the
0: grape variety. You, is. you mentioned citrus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say tropical fruits. You can say stone fruits, which Peaches, uh, can be primary. Yep, peach. Yep. And you mentioned herbal aromas, spices, mints, peppers. What other things would you say? And then
1: floral that? aromas as well.
0: Floral, yeah, floral mm-hmm. for primary. So, Kim, is this something for someone who's new to wine and, and is thinking, you know, what the heck are they talking about? Like, I, once again, the person who says, I just smell wine. When you lift up a glass, not, what percentage of time is the first thing that hits you a primary aroma? Or does it depend on the style of wine?
1: depends on the wine and a lot of it depends on either the style of the wine or the age of the wine. So if it is a young, fresh white or rosé or even a younger red, I would expect that these are be, would be the things that I would experience, these primary fruit aromas. Um, and sometimes some other things mingled in there. But I've got a glass of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc that I raise up to my face. I had better be experiencing some grapefruit or something like that in there. Otherwise I feel like there's something wrong with the wine. So for anything that is on the younger side and is meant to be consumed as a younger wine, which the vast majority of wine out there is meant to be drunk within a couple of years of production, you should be expecting to get these primary fruit aromas. And it's a skill that you build up. You know, you're not going to take your very first glass of wine and stick your nose in the glass and be able to pinpoint what the fruit aromas are that you are picking out. It takes practice. It's like playing an instrument. You know, It's not something that you generally can immediately do, but it's it's fun Um, and it's a mental exercise. And I think that's one of the things that I like about it, but you shouldn't feel bad either if you're just new to this and you do start sniffing your wine and say, I just smell wine. It does take some practice and there are tools out there that can help you kind of figure out what it is that you're smelling. So I like to tell people, just think about big, broad categories when you're just starting out. Does it smell, does it smell like fruit is like a really great first question, because there's a lot of different fruits out there. And just pinpointing, yes, this smells like fruit, or no, this smells like something else, like, I don't know, spices, or leather, or earth, or other things that aren't fruit um, is a really great place. to. So I would say for people who are just starting out, you know, big broad categories first, and then you can narrow it down. Like, yes, I smell fruit. What kind of fruit do I smell? Do I smell citrus fruit? Do I smell berry fruit? Do I smell apples, pear kind of fruit? Um, And then work on it like that.
0: I'm so glad that you mentioned the vast majority of the wine that is consumed is, the, is young wine. It's we, we talk about this all the time. So would you assume that most people are only familiar with primary aromas in wine because it's young wine that's typically not aged or not oak, so they're only always getting primary fruits? No, I 8%. wouldn't make that assumption at all. No?
1: No, especially because a lot of popular styles have more of the second category, which is our, our secondary category, where the smells let's, come from.
0: That's a good time. Let's move on to <laughs> what secondary is because it, it's going to bring in your point on, on that. Let's all talk right, about so the next category.
1: Secondary. So The second category is secondary aromas, which come from not the fruit itself, but from the winemaking process. So like I mentioned before, fermentation absolutely changes the aroma, and the flavor of the beverage. So, you know, tasting grape juice unfermented is very different from tasting wine. But there are other flavor changes that happen during the fermentation process and during the aging process at the winery for the wine. So what the wine is made in has an impact and how it's made has an impact. So if you have a bottle of Chardonnay that is made and aged in an oak barrel versus a Chardonnay from that exact same vineyard and that exact same producer that is made and aged in stainless steel tanks, they're going to have some very different flavors. You are going to have more of a vanilla, toasty, spicy character for your oak-aged Chardonnay, as opposed to pretty much just primary fruit for your un-oak-aged Chardonnay. So those are the flavors that we're talking about. So we're talking about what does the barrel give to the wine. Does it give a smokiness? Does it give notes of vanilla, spice, or clove, um, leather? You know, there are a lot of very typical aromas that we get from oak barrel aging and also from a technique that's a little bit more geeky, a little bit more sciencey called malolactic fermentation, which gives some red wines, a lot of red wines. And some white wines, a a buttery, creamy sort of flavor. So this is another one that you often will get in Chardonnays, especially from California.
0: So the winemaking process, Kim, this would also include any additives that they would put in the wine, you you could say, as a secondary aroma, correct? Would you consider like sulfur or sulfites a secondary aroma since it's a...
1: Because you're not it's supposed to smell sulfur. Well, yeah.
0: a winemaker that adds too much sulfur or freshly bottled, your secondary aroma, you're going to smell sulfur, correct?
1: But that's a fault. That's not a, a flavor well, that's supposed could, to be it, in the wine. Yeah,
0: but it's it's. You, would you consider a secondary aroma? What's no. What do you consider a fault aroma? In what category?
1: Neither. Because the fault category. could come from anywhere. The fault could come from the grapes. The ca- fault could come from the fermentation. The fault could come from bacterial infection. So Yeah. You know what? In I haven't thought category. of that. I don't... I guess that's a new
0: category. Yeah, I know. Oh. I've never seen it put in it. And it's no. definitely not a primary thing no. because it's... It's not? I, I, I don't thinking, think it... That's a I great point, second, Mark. <laughs> I, I was always thinking it was a secondary aroma because it had something to do with the winemaking process. But then again, like uh, something that's cork, it doesn't actually mean it's because no. of the, the process. So No, you just consider it a problem. Huh. But you started out mentioning Chardonnay. So, a Chardonnay that would be unoaked, the primary aroma you would get from that would be the apple flavor. Mm-hmm. But apple, then, if it's
1: melon, pear, sometimes lemon. tropical
0: fruit, depending on yeah, but still the fruit, climate, still
1: fruit flavors.
0: Mm-hmm. But if it's Aged in oak, or they do a malolactic to make it uh, creamy. You, the secondary aromas that oak or that creaminess could overpower the primary aroma, which is the fruit. So, that's the big difference between those categories. Yeah. What you and fra- that's a
1: great point. That's a great point you made about the secondary aromas maybe overpowering the primary aromas, and that often is what will happen, especially when you're using oak barrels that are only being used for the first or second time, because those flavors in that oak barrel are so intense and can be so powerful that they can completely overwhelm those primary fruit characteristics. So some people really, really like that buttery, creamy, vanilla, spice, marshmallowy sort of flavor that an oak barrel will give to a white wine. Some people don't like it at all. It's completely just a matter of personal preference and personal taste. It doesn't mean that you know someone is right and someone is wrong for liking one or the other. It's just different. You know, we have different tastes from each other. But even with some red wines, if there's a lot of oak used on that red wine, you don't get the subtle plum, cherry, blackberry. You get more of the oakiness and the spiciness. So I think that's a great point that sometimes those secondary aromas can completely overpower the primaries. listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about Mark on his website, franklinliquors.com. Look out for his newsletter every Monday. You can find more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. And you can find our show on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. All right, so we are exploring today the concepts of aromas in wine and the categories of aromas in wine. And when we talk about categories of aromas, we don't mean fruity aromas, spicy aromas, herbal aromas. We're talking about primary, secondary, and tertiary aromas in wine. Now we've been talking about secondary aromas, Mark, which come from the winemaking process. Sometimes you get it from the oak barrels or you get it from this particular type of fermentation called malolactic fermentation. Are there any other secondary aromas uh, that you can think of that our listeners might be interested in knowing about?
0: I think the big one for me would be yeast. Yeah, there we you go. get this because <laughs> you are the bubbly queen. I'm most like, oh, can we talk
1: about champagne now? <laughs> yeah,
0: most often <laughs> in champagne, you get those yeasty, toasty notes. And depending on natural yeasts or not natural yeasts, you can get different aromas uh, in wine. Some will say wild yeast, and it can affect that secondary aroma. So like you said earlier, where you open a bottle and the aroma, all you're getting is oak. Sometimes all you can get is aromas from the yeast. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to that whole fault thing to me because sometimes you can get wines that uh, have a yeast issue correct and, and
1: yeah and like and, too, and, there's too much there yeah
0: yeah and, and it all depends i mean people some people love that i mean you were talking earlier about chardonnay lover loves that oaky creamy if i open a, a wine lately to me and it, all i'm smelling is oak right away it kind of it turns me off on the wine lately. I, I want some fruit. I, mm-hmm. I it, just me lately, but there are people that are not even thinking of that primary fruit. They just love that creamy, buttery flavor yeah. of the aroma.
1: Yeah, and we do find this a lot with people who love Chardonnay. It's not necessarily the grape that they love, but it's that, yeah, that vanilla, you know, it reminds you of like toast and French toast and butter and spice and cinnamon and cinnamon rolls and like all that sort of stuff, which is, you know, a completely delicious, wonderful aroma. Some people love it in their wine, some people don't love it in their wine, but it's a completely valid flavor profile and very, very common for California Chardonnay. I was going to ask you what you feel when we're talking about champagne and we're talking about sparkling wines that have this sort of bready, yeasty sort of flavor to it is a good segue into our tertiary flavors. And I'm kind of on the fence about where that yeasty aroma in champagne falls because for tertiary aromas, those really develop over time and because of age. So you're not going to get these smells in a really young wine, but it kind of crosses the the line for champagne, because yes, it's part of the winemaking process, but it also can only develop after that wine has had significant time in the bottle. So learning what your opinion is about those bready, brioche, yeasty flavors in champagne, if you consider those a secondary or if you consider those a tertiary aroma.
0: Yeah, that that's interesting because uh, over time, those aromas evolve differently because of, of the yeast in, I, to me. So I think it it kind of crosses over both. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we we're talking about the false thing. It kind of goes into both categories to me. Um, yeah, I would secondary, agree. because of the yeast, but because of that aging process, it's changed so many things. It's, it's given it more aromas that you won't find on something that's you know one, two years old. It's something that's 10, 15 years totally different. So
1: And it's really hard to duplicate without it being done the natural way over time. I don't think anyone has really figured out how to make a two-year-old sparkling wine taste like a 15-year-old champagne. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting flavor change and aroma change that really just comes about because of what happens in the bottle over time. So, cool. yeah, so,
0: so this last category, red wines, they, that fruit becomes more of a stewed fruit, a dried fruit, a more earthy mushroom f- fruit and the whites are more dried fruits. Again, apricots, orange, mm-hmm. marmalade, sherry like uh quality. Yeah. So
1: I like, th- I like to talk about it. Like it's, the difference between fresh fruit and cooked fruit. So you're getting like jammy notes as opposed to fresh raspberries that you just picked or fresh blueberries. Um, and I, I like that you brought up marmalade because that is, I think, definitely something that I get with older white wines where you get that like concentrated citrus or stone fruit sort of flavor, but there's always that sort of hint of it's been cooked. And, you know, we talk about stewed fruits, which I think we don't really eat a lot of stewed fruits here in the US. So a lot of these terms come from the fact that early wine writers tended to be British. (laughs) So they based the descriptions off of a lot of things that they were more familiar with. But I think like jam and marmalade and dried fruit and we talk about, you know, dried figs or dried apricots or things like that. And then you also get these like non-fruity things like you were talking about where it's like, earthiness, sometimes like dried mushrooms. Sometimes we get things like leather and tobacco and and all of these other sort of more funky aromas that you do get from a wine that's been aged a little bit.
0: And many of the wines people are opening and smelling the aromas of, we're not ever reaching this point because they they just consume so young. They don't have time to evolve and get to this category of aromas. You agree with that?
1: I do. Um, You know, but I, I think that people who do drink wine probably every once in a while run across a bottle that has these tertiary aromas in them. So I can imagine sometimes they might pick up a bottle off of a shelf in a retail store that maybe that bottle has been there for a little longer than it should be. Maybe it's five or six years old and they bring it home and they have these other aromas that maybe they're not expecting. Or, you know, maybe you have a little wine cellar at home and you've forgotten a couple bottles in the back and you open them up and they have these less fresh fruit flavors so this is what you're getting when you open that bottle of wine that's maybe been sitting down there for 10 years you forgot it was there you opened it up and it smells and tastes different from how you remember it smelling and tasting so these are those kinds of aromas that we're talking about and I did this last week because I have some older wine in my cellar and I have some older bottles of Chateauneuf-du-Pape that I opened one of them up and it definitely had these Aromas. It was like mushroomy and leathery, and definitely had lost that fresh fruit flavor. Still had fruit, but was more that cooked fruit, that dried fruit, raisin date kind of a flavor to it. So it really is amazing how wine does change over time.
0: And we love to, when we do events, Kim, we always try to put in an aged wine so people can experience these aromas. And I think we always get a pretty good response when people test, smell, and taste Mm -hmm. these for the first time because they're not used to it. And it's a whole new wine experience if you haven't done it it's good to check, try to find something that's aged to see what the difference is because right. you might be listening and even if you saying, run
1: across one by accident, you're maybe not necessarily even knowing what you run into. Like you might not be able to be like, oh, this smells this way because it has you know this many years on it. So I absolutely loved that event that we did last year or the year before when we did a comparison between a wine that was young and then sort of a comparable wine that had some age on it because uh, just the reactions that we got from the people in the room when they tasted those two things side by side and like the differences started to really show and people were like, wow, like I get it. And I love that light bulb moment from people when they can finally put their finger on what it is that we're talking about. And I just, uh, that event was really, really great. And I can't wait to do another one like that.
0: Yeah. So that's, the, one of the ways we teach about these categories of the aromas in wine, what do you suggest, Kim, if people build on a little bit on how can people learn the three categories of aromas? What's the best way you feel to learn it? So I think doing that? a
1: side-by-side comparison is a really great way to learn about what all of these flavors are. I would also suggest that people have what we call a wine wheel. Um, You don't necessarily have to buy anything special. You can Google wine wheel UC Davis. um, And there's a lot of different ones out there, but they break these aromas and flavors into categories. And so like all the citrus fruits will be in one category. Sometimes all the secondary and tertiary aromas will be in their own separate category. So if you can get, you know, three bottles of wine and they don't have to all be the same and can taste them side by side, have, I don't know, a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc that's like a year or two old, that will be giving you your primary aroma. Get a bottle of oak aged Chardonnay from California to get those, that idea of that oak flavor and that buttery flavor, and then get something with some age on it and open those three bottles and taste them side by side and see if you can pick out and put your finger on those differences. See if you can smell those earthy notes and if you can smell those fresh fruit aromas. And if you can find three wines that are maybe all from the same grape variety, but each fall into these different categories, that's even better because you'll be able to, I think, put your finger on a little bit better what we mean by primary, secondary, and tertiary aromas.
0: And you said earlier too, Kim, there are other tools out there but you can make your own tools we we every in everyday life there's things around to help you with your aromas and mm-hmm. even the primary fruits a lot of people you might hear oh it's it smells like apple it smells like green apple it smells like apple skin there, there are differences, and you can get very geeky on that. But when you're working around your kitchen, try to, you know, maintain or learn these aromas and relate them to your wine when you're, when you're smelling it. You, you really be surprised how much more you'll pick out of that glass if you build on those memory in your, in your mind for uh, aromas.
1: And we're really lucky with it being summertime. There's fresh herbs and things. Even just the difference of smelling what fresh basil smells like next to dried basil that gives you a difference between the two of those exact same things where you can pick out the primary aromas of the fresh basil versus the tertiary aromas of the dried basil. So something like that, if if you love to be in the kitchen and you want to you know, up your cooking game a little bit too, that's a, a great way to improve your
0: nose and your palate. What about, Kim, you're, you're tasting a wine and you're tasting it with someone who is not, is, is just learning wine. Do you feel it's too overpowering to say more than one thing you're smelling? Uh,
1: I mean, I usually do a few things, but I would keep the categories a little bit more broad. So I don't know that I would necessarily try to pick out the difference between grainsmith apple and apple skin and pear and maybe melon. Like I, I almost would lump all of those things into one category or not try to suss out if I'm smelling lemon versus lime, but just do, oh, this is citrusy. Making it just a little bit not necessarily simplified but broader because i feel it's easier for people to differentiate between say citrus fruit and peachy fruit than to try to put your finger on oh this smells more like peach versus nectarine so i would just i would just keep it broad but not necessarily only keep it to one
0: aroma yeah we always joke when we do classes that if you if you're smelling a Red wine, just say cherry. White wine, just say apple. <laughs> <To say> apple. <laughs> you never, you're never wrong, right? Because those you're are kind of never mean,
1: wrong.
0: Never wrong. It, that it brings up another question, Kim. If someone's drinking or smelling a red wine and they say to you, "I smell apple," would you say usually that's not what you're you're wrong, or because that's not a primary fruit in a red wine, or do you say that's interesting? everybody smells different.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't tell them that that? they're wrong. Um, I would say that, yeah, we all have different sense memories, and we have different palates, and we have different noses, and we are all coming at it from a different place of experience. So that person might legitimately be experiencing that aroma as apple. And I mean, think of like, say, a Granny Smith apple. Those have really red fruit characteristic to them so if all their experience with apples are granny smith apple i mean are red delicious apples maybe that's what they're getting so i'm not going to discount somebody's experience because i don't have their nose i i'm experiencing it my way they're experiencing it their way i would want to get to the bottom of what is the thing that they are calling apple that i might be calling something else and try to find common ground my husband and i do this all the time when we're drinking wine where he's calling something one thing and i'm calling something something else and we're trying to figure out why we experience it differently and it's really fun (laughs)
0: to do that it's fun it's yeah but i think i
1: think everyone is that way you know my experience and your experience are not the same we didn't grow up in the same place you know even siblings whose parents cook them the same food are going to experience those things in a a glass of wine differently so i'm never going to discount what somebody else is experiencing because that is legitimate for them and who am i to tell you that what you're smelling? is wrong but yeah, that's maybe not like, that I'm not maybe do that.
0: their first apple experience was a candied apple and yeah, it, it exactly. relates to a red wine so yeah sure. so we we kind of think the same way on that and i no one's ever wrong i just find it so interesting that you know trying to figure out why you know why you why are you say yeah. that like what to am figure i missing out the why. yeah mm-hmm. and figure the out bit. the
1: common ground like well your this thing you're smelling is reminding you of lime this thing i'm smelling the exact same thing and it's smelling to me like easel, you know something completely different what is it that makes us experience that exact same aroma so very differently. And I, I like that psychology of it too, I guess. I don't know. At least a great conversation in any case. Yeah.
0: And then the interesting thing in wine tastings is someone will say something, at first you don't smell it at all, then you'd be like, yeah, you're yeah. right, right? There can I be do. a lot
1: of that. Yeah. And that's so, where, Mark, I feel like you and I need to be careful sometimes when we're leading classes or leading tastings, because we really can influence what people are experiencing because they, they look at us like we're the ones who know what the heck we're talking about. Um, but we don't always want to be influencing what people are, are smelling and tasting in their in their glass of wine. Because just because we can smell it doesn't mean that you're having the same yeah. kind of time with it.
0: Good point. I mean, everybody has to have their own individual way of learning an aroma. And, and, and there's guides out there, like you said, there's a wheel that tells you, you know, this is what is usually detected on that varietal. But it doesn't mean that's what you're going to smell. What okay. you smell is what you smell. So you give the same
1: bottle of wine to 10 different wine experts, you're going to get 10 different tasting notes yeah that's why you have different
0: reviews on everything you can whether you're a
1: novice or whether you've been doing this for you know 50 years it, it stays the same Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find past episodes of ours on SoundCloud and iTunes. And as always, please leave us your questions and comments on our Facebook page, The Wonderful World of Wine. And we will see you again next week. Cheers.